glue of life. And it can repair just about anything. God is so good. There are four things that we need to be reminded of if we truly are seeking repentance. If you truly want to change, if you truly want to become the person that God created you to be, not the person that you want to be, but the person that God created you to be, then you have to learn what repentance is all about. So the first thing that you must understand about true repentance is that you have to recognize. Recognize what? What you did. In other words, own it. Own it. There are many things in life that are going to slap us in the face. And one of those things in life that are going to haunt us is when we fail to recognize that we messed up. At this point in age, at this point in life, you have to own it. You have to be sincere and say to yourself, I'm sorry, I messed up. I recognize that I did things wrong. Amen? Number two, regret. Not the regret where you feel convicted or guilty because you got caught, but the regret where you say, I feel remorse. I shouldn't have partaken. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't had acted that way, I feel remorse because it, it, it hurts me now more than ever to understand that I caused someone some kind of affliction, some kind of hurt, some kind of pain. And because of that, now I, I, I put myself in that person's shoes rather than in my own. So if you really want to repent, you got to feel remorse. Amen? You have to feel remorse. Not, not the type of remorse where you're justifying your cause. But the type of remorse where you say, man, even though I was right, I wasn't really right. Amen? Number three, resolve. If you truly want to repent, you have to learn how to resolve issues. You have to fix them. You can't avoid issues. The problem is that we're good at that. Especially Christians. We're good at, at, at playing the funk playing the victim, or, 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 or masking ourselves and, 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 and saying, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for the appropriate time. I'm looking for God's direction. But in reality, we're not. We're just buying time. Stop buying time. And learn how to resolve your own issues. Not other people's issues, but your issues. The issues that you have caused the problems that you have brought upon yourself, the trouble that you have brought upon yourself, learn how to resolve it. Don't leave this place thinking that tomorrow is waiting for you. Leave this place convicted today to the point of transformation that you say to yourself, you know what, I have to make some phone calls and I need to resolve some issues. Because if I don't resolve these issues, Sooner or later, what you don't address will sooner address you. Amen? And number four, re repair. Repair is making things right. Earning your trust once again. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today, repair. But I want you to understand this. In order for people to trust you, you have to earn that. Especially if you let someone down. Regardless of whatever the situation was, if you truly repent and you truly want God and you want the favor of God, you want the hand of God, you want to be able to walk according to the way God has called you and designed you to walk, you need to understand that you have to repair some things. And in order to repair those things, you have to understand that that's going to take some time before people will earn your trust. Amen? First of John, chapter 1, verse 5 through 10, focus on fellowship with God throughout the Holy Spirit and fellowship with one another. If you say you have God, If you, if you say to me, I'm walking in the divine ways of the Lord, I am a child of God, then you've got to match your words. And many of us get this twisted. God is not going to justify or vindicate your sinful ways. So in other words, be careful how you take the word of God for granted and use it for your own advantage. If you're wrong, you're wrong, period. And many of us are good at manipulation situations. And many of us are good at twisting the arm of God, not knowing that God's arm cannot be twisted. But we believe that if we twist scripture, we twist God. No, God is God. If you're still having outbursts and you're still acting like a child... You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And if you're lying to get your way, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself because sooner or later you're going to run out of lies. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you this. At one point in my life, I was a great liar until I got caught lying. And even though I got caught lying, I was still lying the fact that I was lying. In other words, I was making up excuses for my behavior. Amen? So, John, the Apostle John, is in the island of Patmos. He's set there, and, and he's in early age, he's advancing age, he's ready to die, and he's writing to the church, and he's saying to the church, listen, if you want to be in one accordance with God, if you want to live this true life that Jesus Christ laid for us, then you have to understand that you and God have to be in one accord. And you got to be at peace with everybody. You got to be at peace with everybody, even your enemies. And if you're not at peace with everyone or your enemies, you can never say that you are a true child of God because in reality you are a hypocrite. How is it possible that you call upon the most holiest name, but you wish death upon your enemies? Now, you might not literally say that, but every time you see them or every time you hear them, it disturbs your, your peace, it disturbs your body, it disturbs your behavior, and then you start acting a certain way that's ungodly. You cannot justify that. You have to be the bigger person and step up and say to that person, I love you regardless. I'm not asking you to ask me for forgiveness. I'm man enough, I'm woman enough to come to you and say, if I have offended you, I ask you for forgiveness. But many of us, our pride 
has not allowed us to see it that way because we have an ego, an artificial ego, that we believe that we are better just because we are right in our own thinking, when in reality we are wrong in our own thinking. And if you're thinking that way all the time, let me tell you something. Sooner or later, you will fall into a ditch or into a pit that you are not going to be able to dig yourself out of that. So help yourself by doing this. Do the right thing. Call people up. Ask them for forgiveness. In verse 6, John tells tells the church, if we say we have fellowship with him, meaning God, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice truth. Stop deceiving yourself and stop deceiving others. When you walk with God, you need to understand that God is light. He's not partial or partial light or just a little light. He is light. And what happens when you turn on the light in in a building, when you turn on the light in a room, it what? It exposes everything that's what? In darkness. And we turn on the light so that we don't trip or harm ourselves or harm others. We turn it so that we have an understanding of where we are and where we're going. Amen. I don't know many of you at one point or another, like myself, in the middle of the night, Try not to interrupt any or interrupt anyone's sleep or a, a, anyone who's in the middle of their peace. You you try to get out of bed and on your way to the restroom or on your way to the kitchen, you trip over something. You end up hurting yourself and you end up interrupting others' sleep. And, it, and in the midst of all that, it, that could have been saved that somebody just turned on the light switch. But sometimes it's more convenient not to turn on the light switch to... Not interrupt others' sleep, but in reality, you're causing yourself and others harm. Amen? So we must understand that God is a God of light. There's no darkness in Him. So stop saying that you are a Christian when in reality, you're not. And what I mean by that, your actions speak louder than words. For example, let's define what walking in darkness is according to the Holy Scripture. Okay? Not according to me, but according to the Holy Scripture. Walking in darkness is defined as moral evil. What is moral evil? Moral evil could be some of the things that we do every day, like pollution. Some of the hurricanes, some of the tornadoes, some of the uh, the, the earthquakes, all of these things that the earth in itself is, is, is lashing out is caused by human error. And that's why we're seeing climate change and global warming and all of this has to do because we have neglected the principle. We have violated what has been established for our own blessing and we have turned it into a curse. Are are you hearing me, church? Now we're in the midst of a pandemic. We're in the midst of a moral uh, injustice and all of these things. And instead of us being the light in the midst of that, now we're choosing sides and we're saying, well, you know, that this is right and this is wrong. But in all reality, where is God in the midst of all that? God has a voice. God has a say to say during this times that we are living in. And, and sometimes we get it twisted because we get influenced 
by people who are walking in darkness and not in light. And the reason why we cannot make sense of that because our priorities and our principles are all messed up. How can God bless a mess? I lived for years under that lie and that perception. So I thought it was okay to sin. I thought it was okay to practice certain things and don't worry about it. God understands he will forgive me tomorrow. But in all reality, it was his mercy and his grace that was keeping me. But if he said to the enemy, his time is up, he's done, I'm done, I'm through with him, that would have been it. I would have eternal, not salvation, but I would have been in eternal hell. Are you saying, are you hearing what I'm saying? So in other words, what I'm trying to say, do not jeopardize your salvation. And don't play with your salvation because there's one thing that you don't have control of, and that's death. And death will come to each and every one of us at one point or another. You can act bad. You 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 can be top shelf, top notch. But one of the things that I'm going to tell you right now, that when you have a life death experience, that will change the perspective of the way you think. Why? Because you don't have control over that. Are you hearing me? God is good. Give him a round of applause, church. Walking in darkness, defined by the Holy Scripture, is living a life in disobedience. I don't care. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to listen to pastor. I, I, I don't care what they say. I, I don't believe what they're saying. That's okay. You don't have to care. But in reality, that's a fact. Sooner or later, you have to deal with that because God deals with those. The wrath of God, better said, according to the scripture, comes over the sons of disobedience. So even though you're a backslider or even though you're you're lukewarm or you're in church and not really in church, you still fall under the judgment of the wrath of God. Because the Bible teaches in the book of Ephesians that the wrath of God comes over the children and in some versions, the sons. Of disobedience, meaning people that walk based on the way they think and based on the way they perceive things. If I went based on the way that I see things and the way that I want things, I wouldn't be preaching today. I would have been taking a nice long drive in this beautiful fall day with my windows cracked half wide open. I would have been, uh, apple picking, pumpkin picking. I would have been doing so many other things, but God says, Yes, you can do that, but I didn't call you to do that. There's a time for everything. In other words, there is balance. But when you're a child of disobedience, you have no balance in your life. That's why you keep making the same mistakes over and over again. I made so many mistakes. I even made mistakes that I knew were mistakes. Does that make any sense? Like I knew what I was getting myself into before I got myself into it. But somehow, some way, I believe and I thought that I was going to get a different outcome. But in reality, it wasn't the case. It wasn't going to be the same outcome because I knew. So we have to be careful with that. What also defines walking in darkness? Engaging in unholy behavior. When you walk in darkness, you engage. You participate. You partake in ungodly acts. For example, if God has delivered you, okay, from the hands of the devil, if God has taken you from the hands 
of the master of deception. Why are you playing games with the devil? In other words, why are you trying to dance with the devil if you already know the steps? You already know the steps, and the steps will lead you where? Nowhere. If God delivered me from drugs, if God delivered me from the block, if God delivered me from womanizing women, if God delivered me from being a, a robber, from being a thief, whatever the case might be, at one point in my life, I had to realize that I had to stay, I have to stay away from those things. And, and the problem is that we think that we have the self power and control to control every situation. Let me tell you something. Every temptation will not only tempt you in ways that you think, but it also will challenge your character. How many of you love to watch those YouTube videos when they prank people? Am I the only one that likes to watch those, those videos? There's a lot of videos out there in different channels about pranking people, right? The latest one that I watch is this man. He, he throws his wallet in the middle of the sidewalk, and he has a fish string tied to it. Okay, there's money coming out of the wallet. Okay, and you should see how people who are like me, walking in a suit, looking nice and dressed, they attempt to pick up the wallet, and the wallet is dragged. Then they look around, making sure that no one's watching what they're doing, and they attempt, and then they drag the wallet. They keep dragging the wallet. At the end of the show, they roll up to them and they say, "It's a prank." You should see their faces afterwards try to justify themselves by saying, oh, I was trying to pick it up because I wanted to return it to the person. But after three or seven times of you not obtaining the wallet because it's being pulled, but you don't know that there's a string that's pulling it, wouldn't you leave it alone? You didn't left it alone because you know there was something there that you wanted. That's temptation. Wanting something that doesn't belong to you. Stop playing with the devil. You play with the devil, you'll burn with fire. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Lying. It's a walk of darkness. It's walking in darkness. Stop lying. And, and I know that when you say this, it, it rubs us all in the wrong way because at one point or another, we all lie to a certain degree. Am I right or wrong? But the line that the Bible's talking about is the lying to yourself. Okay? The lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. As an individual, as a person, you need to stop that. Why? Because if you continue to lie to yourself, you're going to retake your mind to a place that your mind should have never been in the first place. And that's a mindset of being in denial. And when you're in denial, you lose your true identity. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. Life comes and goes and you could care less. And many of us, are victims of our own lies to the point that we have deceived each other, deceived one another, and we have lost sight of who we really are. Amen? God is so good. In the midst of all this, the writer, John, is taking the church to a deeper understanding of what true fellowship is. So we're going to pick it up in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 
Now look at what verse 7 says. But if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us for all sin. Okay. In order to fulfill the assignment that God has for each and every one of us on this earth, we have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only spirit that it's out for your own good, that it's out to help you. There's many spirits, but there's only one spirit sent by God, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that's in for a good cause, in for you, not against you. Okay? So John is trying to get them to understand, listen, if you want to have fellowship with God, okay, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you into the light, and the light will reveal to you who God is. And in return, not only you will have a good relationship with God, but you will have a good relationship with others. The reason why you can't get along with people is because you can't get along with yourself. You don't understand yourself. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. You have a dilemma. You have an issue with yourself. You have insecurities. You have all of these things going in and out of you every day, all day, all the time. And even though you know that's the case, you still hide behind the scenes believing that the reason that you're that way is because someone made you that way. Let me tell you something. Who spends more time with you other than you? Hello? How many of you are married? You spend 24 hours, 7 days a week with Maria, Dave? Pretty much. Are you going to help me or not? Edwin, you don't spend, right? I don't spend 24 hours, 7 days a week, 365 days a year with Pastor Millie. Okay? Right? Okay? I'm not getting any help, but I'm, get, I'm going to get someplace. Amen? How is it possible that I could become who she is rather than who I am. In, in other words, it's nearly impossible that she could rub in me so much of her and me so much of her into her if we're not always together. So if what I'm trying to say is, in other words, I don't have an excuse to behave the way that I behave and turn around and say, I'm this way because of this person. I, I'm an angry, miserable husband because my wife is an angry, miserable wife. No, the reason why I am that way, which I'm not, but what I'm saying is, if I am that way, it's because I surrender to something that I thought it was greater than me. You get it? You can separate me and Pastor Millie. Amen? And you can tell the difference in each and every one of us. Like, the youth think that I'm boring, and they think Pastor Millie is exciting. I don't have a problem with that. You get what I'm saying? But we complement each other in our weaknesses. We strengthen each other in, in areas 
that we are weak. The reason why I bring this up because in order for you to be a successful Christian, you have to cooperate and come into relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't come into relationship, okay, if you don't come in, 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 into intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to understand God, let alone you're not going to understand yourself. And on top of that, you're not going to understand others. So you're going to be in church living a lie. Because in all reality, if you can say what you really want to say about the person that's sitting next to you, you and I know that that person some way, somehow is going to feel so offended and so hurt that you might lose them. Am I right or wrong? But the, beauty, but the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is not offended by the way you feel. See the difference? The, the Holy Spirit is offended by the way you act. Not the way you feel, but by the way you act. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is reminding each and every one of us that Jesus Christ died to give us life. So the blood now becomes the covenant. So if you're under the covenant of God and you understand what, what is the covenant of God and you understand the precious blood of God, you wouldn't take your life for granted. Am I going somewhere? So the Apostle John is trying to get the believers in that time who are going through persecution to understand and comprehend that God is a God of order and God wants the best for them. How many of you at one point felt like God abandoned you? Like God didn't care about your situation? And, and, and I know that you felt that way because I have felt that way many times. And then the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, when have I failed you? You cannot mix feelings with facts. Because in reality, your feelings have nothing to do with the fact of the matter is that I deliver you. That's the issue that we're having in the church today. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the church in general. We need to repair relationships. Everything that God has done for you will never come close to what you can give Him. Because while you're sleeping, He's working. While you're slacking, He's working. Slacking? Pastor, how am I slacking? We slack. I slack. When was the last time you actually grabbed the Bible and you held it so tightly that you said, God, I'm not moving out of this place until you reveal to me who you are? It's been a while, right, for some of us, right, including myself in, in, in some parts of my relationship. But the beauty of God is that God doesn't hold it against us. And, and, and we love people and we love others that have caused us so much harm more than what we do, God, where we have caused them so much harm, so much disappointment, so, ma so, so many letdowns. How many times you promise and you promise and you made promises to God and you never came through with those promises. But the moment someone doesn't come through with the promises they made you, it's the end of the world for you. So you have to understand that if you're in this relationship, you have to be committed. And how do you commit yourself to this relationship? By understanding the role that you play. 
you get what I'm saying? In other words, I need to know the role that I play as a pastor. I need to know the role that I play as a husband. I need to know how to play the role as a son or whatever the case might be. I need to know my role. So look at your neighbor and say, know your role. Know your role. The problem is that we as believers, we get distracted. And we lose sight of reality. And we forget. And when we forget things, what happens? We become vulnerable. And when we become vulnerable, we start giving life to our emotions, to our feelings. And we begin to start thinking things that are not there. And instead of you making the most out of your situation, now you took your situation and made it this whole big ordeal when in reality there was no need for that. How many of you are in a relationship? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever walked home, walked, came, came home from a long day of work, right? And you get home and you see everybody laying in the couch, moping, there, nothing is cooking in the, there, there's no smoke coming out the kitchen. And you say to yourself, like I have said to myself many times, they don't even consider me. Why it becomes personal? Because it wasn't what I was expecting. And in our relationship with God, if we don't receive what we were expecting, we become soured. And then we begin to drift. No, well, you know, I don't think that's for me. I, I'm, I've been too hurt in life. I have gone through so much. I, I, I don't think. And we begin to push away from God. And that gives access to unfamiliar spirits. And before you know it, you're doing things that you know and I know are not right. Are you hearing me? We are repairing our relationship with God. So the Apostle John is making it clear. In verse 7 he says, But if we walk in light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us all from all sin. In other words, there is no justification for our sins other than the blood. So if you're not covered under the blood, you're not justified for your attitudes, for your pity behaviors, for your outbursts, for your feelings, for whatever the case might be, you're not justified. But if you're under the blood of Jesus Christ, not only your cover, but your life is in order. In other words, everything makes sense. I live for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. I'm, I'm, I'm. Are you hearing me? The church of today suffers from depression, loneliness, anxiety. To be honest with you, for many of us, it's a burden to come to church. It's a struggle to come to church. Because we have open doors. We, we have yet to understand that God loves us so much that he 
has been waiting. He doesn't tolerate, but he's been waiting for a while for you to get that right, for you to repair that relationship. Because if you do that, and in return, you will experience his glory manifested like never before. But if you continue to proceed in your ways, you're going down the wrong path. Thank you, Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sins. If you want to know that you're covered under the blood, if you want to know that you've been following the whole the scriptures of God, if you want to know if the Holy Spirit really resigns in you, there's two ways to define that. Actions reflect true character. So if you say you have Christ, and you're under the covering, and the Holy Spirit resides in you, then your actions will reflect your true character. In other words, your true character is revealed during times of trouble, during times of crisis. That's who you really are. That's who you really are. I was watching... uh one of these YouTube channels, they like to prank people. And this episode was funny in more ways than one. So there's a man inside of an elevator. He looks creepy. People will walk in there, some of them blindly not knowing what's going on because they're on, in their, on their phones looking at the screen. They'll walk in there and all of a sudden the door will close and then they realize there's a creepy old man standing there. So this is young couple that walks into the elevator, right? A young man and young girl. And, and they go in the elevator and they notice that this man is standing there, but it's too late. The door's closed. As soon as the man begins to make noise and act in an unfamiliar behavior way, the young man hides behind the girl. Like, ah! Like, if something's going to take her before you take me. The gentleman who was playing the prank, he took off his mask and said, wow, are you serious? Really? 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 I was bothered by that. You should have seen the comments people left. But in all reality, in the midst of a situation, he shielded himself and put his growth. That goes to show how much he cared about her. That revealed who he really who he really is. And then she had the nurse to hold his hand and walk out of the elevator. I don't know what generation we're living in. But let me tell you this. Cristo viene pronto. For real. For real. In another scene, a couple goes in. And as soon as the man sees this old man in there, he just leaves his girlfriend behind, his wife, whoever she was, and he takes off. What shocked me was the things he was wearing. He had a nice phone, a nice chain, some Yeezys, ugly shoes. Um, all the latest. And, and sometimes we come into relationship with cowards because we love the appearance from the outside. If you really want to know who you with, do the real test. But in reality, sometimes we're with people 
because of appearance and not true relationship, not knowing who they are. The reason why I say this is to give you confirmation that the Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. Are, are you hearing me? But if we think that the Holy Spirit is just like our last boyfriend or girlfriend, we will never enjoy the relationship. Amen? God is good. Number two, our words reveal our heart. Let people talk. After a while, they'll reveal who they really are. The problem is we want to talk over people, and we miss out that in all of this, God is trying to show us something if you can be silent and still. Now, that doesn't mean that that gives you the right to judge someone, but it gives you the right to understand where they're coming from. Like, I remember years ago, we were driving, and there was this homeless guy with a, with a sign up. And he said, I'm not going to lie, I need money for beer. That made me stop and give him money. I said, at least you're being honest. I didn't say recently, many years. Like pastors giving people, no, many years before I was a pastor, before I was a youth pastor, back in the day. And I pulled over and I said, you know what, man? And I took out $20. For me to take out $20 and give it to someone, you really got to touch me in some way, somehow. But that touched me because he was being sincere. He didn't put up a sign and say, I'm homeless because I lost my house, I lost my job. No, he said, I'm in this condition because of this situation. And why lie? I need beer money. Not only did I stop, but other cars stopped and everyone was laughing. Well, while everyone was laughing, the man was going, ching, 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 ching. He reminded me of Mario. You know what Mario's? Uh, I don't know nothing about Mario. Let me just leave it there. Amen. The true fact and the true matter is that we grow in stages, not overnight. Hear me, church. You, as an individual, you're going to grow in stages. The problem is that we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, and we want order to come into our houses overnight. We want the people that live in our house to submit to the God that we gave our life to. That's not going to happen all the time. It might be a miracle that it might happen overnight, but in all reality, it takes time. So as you're growing, you have to be patient not only with yourself, but with others. In other words, progress comes from process, and process brings progress. We accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we want to walk with God, and now all of a sudden we want God to change everything. He wants, he, in other words, we want God to change 20 years of unhealthy behaviors. That's not going to happen overnight. And then we drag others into that. And we give them ultimatums. I change. I receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't, I'm out. You just became a Christian yesterday. You were smoking last Friday with the same person that you're trying to convince. that you, And they looking at you like, what you smoking, man? 
I, I remember when I became a Christian right away, the first thing that I did was get rid of music, get rid of so many things. And then I started telling my mom in her own house how to run her house. She said, like, boy, if you want to live here another day, you better switch your tone. I know you got baptized. I know you're going to church. But let me tell you something. I brought you into this world. And I'll take you out. That was her approach. Why? Because I was forcing something. Let me tell you something. If if God is for if we are forcing the gospel into you, or God is forcing the gospel into you, that's not God. Amen. Let, let us get that straight. Amen. God is good. Now, if you are still, okay, as a believer, now, now we're gonna step it up a notch and we're gonna get a little deeper. Amen. Now, for those that have been walking with God for a while who have been persistent trying to perceive holiness and godliness and all of these things, we need to keep this in mind. That at the end of the day, God is going to have his way. So if you are a believer, that you are still having outbursts, that you are lying, that you're always angry, I want to get to the root of that, and I'm going to give you the revelation to that. What that means is that you have not been delivered from stubborn, demonic influences. I'm going to say that again. If you are a believer that has been walking with God for more than a year, I'm going to be specific. If you have been walking with God for more than a year and you're still having outbursts, meaning that you get upset, that you get angry over anything or anyone, if you're still lashing out, then what that really means is that you have yet to be delivered from stubborn demonic influences. Stubborn demonic influence are demons that at one point were inside of you. They were cast out of you, but they linger around watching you day in and day out for an opportunity for you to give them a right to come in so that you can act in an ungodly behavior. Now what happens? After a while, you begin to believe certain things and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm never going to change. I give up. No, 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 no. You cannot have that attitude. Are you hearing me? You cannot have that attitude because that doesn't justify you. Okay? We need to recognize that the influence of demonic spirits sometimes can lead to certain behaviors, patterns, and cycles. For example, cycles are revisiting occurrence. For example, a few weeks ago, I was on my lunch break and I had the urge of wanting to smoke a cigarette. Now, I haven't smoked a cigarette in more than 17 years. Okay? Thank God I stopped smoking when I stopped smoking. You see the prices on those cigarettes? $11 for a cancer stick? And all of a sudden, I had that urge. And I said, I, I could feel the nicotine in my lips. And all of a sudden, I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I ain't smoking nothing. Ain't nobody smoking me. I ain't smoking nobody. We ain't smoking nothing. Now, if I began to entertain that, what, what would have been the chances? We only feel guilty after the afterwards, not at the moment. So we need to understand that from time to time, unclean spirits will visit us and will try to get us back to our old ways. Amen? 
walking in light declares the real truth. So when you're walking with God, when you're walking in light and not in darkness, you are saying, I understand truth and I abide in truth. So you can't say that you're walking in God and you're still walking in lies. That is a lie of the devil. Amen. Number two, in order to walk in light and understand what light is, it also proclaims foundation. In other words, you're stable. If you're walking in light, you're stable. If you're an impulse shopper, if, if, if you're a person of, 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 of just feelings and emotions and all of you, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because in reality, if there's light in you, there's a foundation in you. In other words, you don't do what you used to do and you don't give in to those things. For example, yesterday we had two birthday parties. It was like 8.30. I'm 40. I don't know how old Miss Ruth is. And she had the nurse to say to me, you leaving already? The night is still young. I said, woman, please. I got to drive home. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. And then I walk in here today and I look at Miss Ruth. And she looked good. I'm like, you taking something? And she was there until, they, until the party was over. Wow. God is good. Number three, concerning walking in light. It certifies your relationship with God. If you're walking in light, your life is certified by the blood of the covenant. In other words, you have the real truth, you have a foundation, and now on top of that, you had a, a certification. You've been certified. But if any of these things are missing in your walk, you need to dig in a little deeper and ask God to reveal to you what is causing the glitch in your relationship with him where you're truly not being transformed. The word is transformed. The word is not conviction. Conviction is this, what you're feeling right now. You're feeling convicted, but you're going to go home and you're going to do the same thing. Transformation means that you transform to a new being and no longer you don't feel convicted. You just don't do that anymore. For example, when I was in the party, I felt convicted, but then I said to myself, I have to uh, uh, come out of this party, not because I want to leave, it's because I have things to do, and I have to get ready for tomorrow, I have to get ready for service tomorrow, so that re entails me getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, me seeking the presence of God, me seeking revelation, me seeking the Word of God, and in return, you get this. But if I don't do none of these things, if I don't get into the presence of God, I will just be speaking whatever I want to speak. And in return, we won't get nowhere. Are you hearing me? So I don't know how you could follow people. They're preaching nonsense. Shame on you if you are. Preaching stupidity. Amen? God is so good. And number and 8, verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, as believers, we cannot pretend that we are holy. We cannot pretend that we are perfect because in reality we're not. 
We are a working masterpiece. So when anytime anyone wants to criticize you or judge you, just say, I'm still under construction, right? Right? I'm under construction. He's still working in me. Don't you see the signs? It says, caution, do not pass this way. You're getting on my nerves. Oh, I have to go away. Let me go there. Let me go there. That's what that means. Some of you should walk around with a sign that says, do not enter. Don't you just wish that when your kids are ready to ask you something, you know, they, they, your kids could be... Do not enter. Do not enter. God is good. Give him a round of applause. Amen. So now I'm just going to give you five easy ways how to repair relationships. Write these down and then we're going to be closing. Number one, reevaluate. Listen, church, pay attention. Reevaluate. Go back to the beginning. If you had a relationship with someone and that relationship went south for whatever reason, for whatever reason, that relationship went south and you know there's still hope to repair that relationship, go back to the beginning. Go back to where that relationship first started and begin to reevaluate that relationship. Amen. Be open to constructive criticism and self-improvement. Understand the part you played in the relationship. This is the issue, that when a relationship goes south and we're trying to restore it, we want to play the blame game. Well, it happened because of this, because of what you, because of what you said. At the end of the day, own your part too. If you want, if you want to save the relationship and you want to make the most out of the relationship, keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Reevaluate it. Reevaluate the whole relationship. And I'm not just talking about personal, intimate relationships, just relationships with anyone who at one point in your life was in your corner. And for some reason, something took place and it derailed the relationship or it brought separation. Number two, communicate. How do you communicate? The ability to understand and respond. The problem why we can't communicate sometimes is because we don't understand each other and we don't know how to respond to each other. Open up your ears and hear what the person is saying. And then respond. But no, while they're telling us that they feel a certain way, we're just thinking in our minds, wait, wait, I'm going to say, I can't wait. Oh, wait, oh, okay, 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 now my turn. No, because you, 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 and if you're Spanish, you're like Woody Woodpecker. You have to shake Am I the only Latin person here? Apostle, can you help me? Am I the only one here? Why is it that Spanish people got to speak with their hands? 
Put your hands down. That's going to agitate the person because they're going to feel threatened. They're going to feel like, you, oh, I'm going to take this person. I'm, I'm about to go inside. Let me go inside. Let me get the machete because it's about to get real. That's how we think. And the machete is not really a machete. It's a, it's, a, it's a knife that has no handle that you took from your mother's house because you were so cheap to buy your own sets, you know, because when you move, everybody else's stuff moves with you. Ain't that true, Christina? Isn't it funny how we find our stuff in other people's houses? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? I said to Chris the other day, how did my mug end up in your house? Pastor, I don't know, it's just here. Then I realized I gave it to him. Amen. Listen, you'd be surprised how communication plays a major role in relationships. You'd be surprised how many people are mad at you and you have no clue why they're mad at you or why they're upset with you. And then they have the nerves to explain why they're upset and mad with you and angry and you're trying to figure out why were you angry and mad with me in the first place. I had no clue. You never shared it with me. You come to tell me three years later that you were mad at me because I didn't invite you to my birthday party? I actually did. I texted you, but I didn't realize that you didn't have that same phone number. And you held that for three years? Save yourself headaches in life and be like Minister Dave. You know what Dave does? This is how he communicates with me. He'll send me the same thing, WhatsApp, email, Text message. He'll send me the letter. I'm just trying to work my patience as I'm saying it. You, you, you know what I wouldn't be surprised? If they will start doing smoke signals. But he will make sure that you receive the message. He sent me a text the other day. He said, Pastor, I didn't hear a response, so I don't know if you got it. I was like... My phone says that I read it. Your phone says that you, just because I didn't read I love you, Dave. Number four. No, number three. Forgive each other. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, and if and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God Christ forgave you. In order for you to save a relationship, in order for you to repair a relationship, you have to learn how to forgive. If you have not forgiven, God cannot forgive you. Period. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that we're going to hang out. Forgiveness means that we're on the same page. You get what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that you're going to go around and you're going to forgive Pookie and Tookie and then you're going to invite them to your house after they robbed you the first time. Number four, come clean. Be honest. Admit it. Take ownership. I've done so many selfish things, even as a pastor. I've done some things that, that you know why I said, you know, I own up to it. I'm sorry. I, I, I messed up. I, I, I realized that what I did was wrong. And I own up to it. Let me tell you something. When you own up to something, you come clean, God is just to vindicate for you now. 
God is just to fight for you. Why? Because you own your part. But when you're trying to get God to fight for you, when you're as guilty as the person who hurts you, you're going to notice that as the years go by, no matter how you feel about the situation, it's just going to make, it's just going to, it's just going to be there. It, it's going to sting you. It's going it, to, it's just not going to go anywhere. But when you can come clean, when you can step up and say, you know what? I owned up my part. I messed up. I, I'm wrong. I'm coming clean. I'm going to be honest. Because I want to be set free. I don't want the torment no more. I don't, I don't want every time I see you be reminded of the $20 that I asked you to let me and I never paid you back. Save the relationship. Save the relationship. Be honest. Number five. And lastly, set boundaries with each other. Keep your word. Can we keep our word? Can we keep our word? The problem is that we want to make everybody happy and we are the yes people. Yes, yes, I'll be there. Yes, yes. Let me tell you something. I don't say yes unless I check with my wife because she knows my schedule. I used to say yes to everything and then I used to drag her into everything. She used to get upset. Why didn't you tell me we had to go to so-and-so's house? Well, I thought, I thought, well, you thought nothing. Now you're going to have to buy me a dress. Okay? And, and then she got the nurse to say, and the shoes got to match too. I got mad. We're going nowhere. But I realized something. That I was engaging her without communicating with her. And then I was getting upset and acting religious and calling her all kinds of names in the Bible, not knowing that I was the cause of that. We are the cause of many of the situations that we're currently in because we don't set boundaries. We don't keep our word. If we took Saturday to chill, we're going to chill on Saturday. Now, situations might change based on circumstances. But what I'm saying is, if you establish something, keep your word. It's like when you say, okay, we're on the same page, we're going to invite so-and-so over. So-and-so brings so-and-so, so-and-so brings so-and-so, so-and-so. And then you realize it wasn't so-and-so, it was the other person that you were supposed to be in communication with. They said, well, you know, I thought, you thought nothing, you didn't communicate with me. You know I ain't ready to see all these people. Are you hearing me? In order to save a relationship, in order to repair a relationship, you have to learn how to set boundaries. Amen? God is good. Keep your word. Understand this. They will respect you. After a while, they will respect you. Like I, I, I go over the apostles' house. And I, this is my attitude. It's a meal. When I like something, I say it's a meal. But he's so wise that he says, yes, it's yours, but it's not the time to be released to you. So give me back that watch. Give me back those socks. So he bought these nice pair of Nikes, right? And he was wearing them the other day. We were talking. And Apostle, when you're with him in a long-term conversation, you're going to notice that he's always doing this. 
like moving his legs, moving his feet. So he took off his sneakers, and I and I go, what's what's going on, man? You okay? He's like, oh, I don't think these sneakers really fit me. And I said, oh, I think they'll fit me. No, they won't fit you. They'll fit. I'll, I'll break it. They're new. I'm just breaking into them, but they they don't they don't they don't they don't fit. They, He set boundaries. Let us be on our feet. Four things to understand true repentance. This is the process. Recognize. Regret. Resolve. And repair. The four R's will restore you and will resurrect you. Will restore you and will resurrect you. As a church, God is calling us to true repentance. For those who are watching us on Facebook, YouTube, and all the other social media platforms, we thank you for tuning in today. We love you. God bless you. If you're around town, please check us out. Our website is www.resurrectionspringfield.org. For more information about our ministry, you can log into any of our platforms, social media, ITRC413. God bless you from here from the Resurrection Center. Apostle, join me up here. And everybody who's in the sanctuary just... Understand what God is doing. Let us stand right there where we are and let us continue to receive from the Lord. Hallelujah. Levante sus manos. Lift up your hands. Un momentito, por favor. For a moment, please. Eh, lo que Pastor José trajo hoy. What Pastor José brought today. Hoy hay miles de miles hoy hay miles de miles there's thousands of thousands hoy today a esta hora at this hour levantando sus manos lifting up their hands en este mismo momento at this precise moment pidiendo perdón asking for forgiveness y arrepintiéndose and repenting Voy a volver a repetir. 